NPR. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Paddy Hirsch. And I'm Darian Woods. And as every dedicated indicator listener knows, there are many ways to measure the state of the economy and the way people feel about it. But today we want to introduce you to one that we haven't talked about before, which is the Misery Index. The Misery Index. This is yet another aptly named economist stab at trying to gauge how unhappy Americans might be about the economy, based on two numbers, inflation and unemployment. Now, both of these are comparatively low right now. So the Misery Index says that we should be pretty happy about things. Yeah, so the Misery Index has been around since the 1970s, and for the most part, it has tracked pretty well with sentiment. But two-thirds of Americans say the economy is not good right now, according to a CBS News poll that came out this week. So the Misery Index is not tracking with our feelings today. It does, however, appear to be tracking with our actions. You know, we say that we're as miserable as a hairless cat caught in a rainstorm. But we don't appear to be behaving that way. Our spending is up. So is our travel. Our savings are down. So are we miserable or not? And this question is going to come up time and time again over the next few months as we run up to a presidential election. So on today's show, we have five reasons why this gap is showing up between The Economist's numbers and our feelings. Explanations coming up after the break. This message comes from NPR sponsor, American Express. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This advertisement comes from our paid sponsor, Fundrise. High interest rates mean that real estate assets are available at a discount compared to previous valuations. The Fundrise flagship fund plans to expand its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. Add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio at fundrise.com indicator. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the fund before investing. Read the prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. Stephanie Larshide sees the improving economy and the pain that Americans are feeling all at once. She's the executive director of the Prairie Family Business Association. She's based in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and her clients are located all over the Great Plains. She says that if you drive across her part of the country, you can see people suffering in the current economy. My father, who's a farmer in Iowa, when he's been traveling across Iowa, across South Dakota, across Minnesota, he's noticed more vehicles on the side of the road. He thinks people are putting off repairs. People are putting off what they need to do to take care of their basic needs. And that's showing when he passes those vehicles on the side of the road. That's been an observation for him. At the same time, though, Stephanie says the economy in her part of the world is running pretty hot right now. In South Dakota, we have 35 workers available for every 100 jobs that are open. And that puts a lot of pressure on what the pay is that they're needing to offer and some of the benefits and how they're retaining, especially when it comes to some of the construction industry. Rising pay and improving conditions, but matched with economic hardships, kind of a conundrum. And it's something that we're seeing all over the U.S. right now. Unemployment is low. Inflation is falling. Gross domestic product is up. Wages are up. And yet... 
we're all feeling down. It's a puzzle, and a lot of people are confused by it, which of course is why we're talking about it. Michael Strain is a director of economic policy studies at the American Enterprise Institute. That's a think tank that you might say leans gently to the right. He agrees that the headline data points on the national economy look pretty good right now. The thing is, he says, most Americans aren't really focused on those numbers. People don't really care about some index that economists have put together to try and get a handle on the economy at the macro level. People care about the stuff they're buying. And it turns out that people really hate inflation. Inflation. Rising prices. You know the drill. This is the first of five reasons why we're seeing this disconnect between good national numbers and bad personal feelings. Turns out you can throw the whole can of alphabet soup of GDP, CPI, PCE, and whatever at the average American. But what they're really focused on, and what we get really mad about, is how much pain we have to take at the pump or the checkout, or when a waiter brings us our bill. I think about my own experience with this, just anecdotally, taking my family to lunch. Instead of $38, it's $52. And I feel like somebody's punching me in the face and taking money out of my wallet. And I think people have that experience and they just don't like it. Inflation, it seems, beats out almost every other economic ailment when it comes to our feelings. Not because it's the worst thing that can happen to us, but because it affects so many of us. And this is the second big reason for the disconnect between good numbers and bad feelings, which is the good stuff simply isn't happening to enough of us. If you're one of those workers who has a job today but otherwise wouldn't, you should be feeling pretty good, provided that you realize that about yourself. Whereas inflation hits not only every worker, but inflation hits every household, including non-working households. Now, of course, as we've reported a lot on this show, pay has gone up at the same time as inflation. But in the same way that unemployment only affects a relatively small number of Americans, the same goes for pay hikes. Betsy Stevenson is professor of public policy and economics at the University of Michigan. We know that the incomes of younger people went up disproportionately to older people, and that's because the incomes of people who are willing to switch jobs went up by much more than the rate of inflation compared to people who stayed in the same job. Not everyone was able to switch jobs and make more money. Those people are feeling left behind. And now they have to listen to economists tell them that their prospects for earning more are likely to diminish in the future. And that's because wage growth will likely ease as the economy cools. And this is disconnect reason number three. Those people are going to be left dealing with high prices that are not likely to come down to 2019 levels. That is because inflation is a bit like an ocean tide, while prices are like flotsam and jetsam floating on the water. And so you can imagine the tide rising and depositing stuff on the beach. But when it falls back, it leaves all that stuff, those prices at the high watermark, and leaves the beach kind of feeling polluted for a while. The prices aren't coming down because in order for the price to come down, we'd have to have people's incomes come down. And nobody is going to be willing to have their incomes come down. Yeah, I don't want my income to come down. That's an uncontroversial statement. (laughs) It's no wonder that so many Americans are griping, rightfully so. But it's not just the virus of inflation that's making their temperatures rise, Michael Strain says. It's also the antidote to the disease. And disconnect number four, rising interest rates interest rates on credit cards are much higher than they used to be as a consequence of actions the Fed is taking to fight inflation. And it's not just credit cards that are seeing higher rates. It's home loans. It's car loans, student loans, personal loans. 
As we reported on the Jobs Friday show last week, this is all part of the Fed's plan. Why has the Fed raised interest rates? The reason the Fed was raising interest rates was so people would spend less, and they haven't really done that. And one reason they haven't done that is because they had excess savings built up during the pandemic. Yeah, those excess savings, which were, of course, boosted by government handouts to some degree. Well, those savings, of course, gave people spending money to combat inflation. But Michael Strain says that that power is pretty much all used up now. And you're seeing this spending continue. And the financing of that spending is transitioning from spending out of excess savings into spending from a position of debt. And now you're starting to see households have trouble keeping current on their debt obligations. Most Americans carry some kind of debt, which means most Americans are paying more in interest. Delinquencies are up as people find they can't service their loans. People are falling out of escrow on debt deals. Yeah, Americans are trapped, which is why we're seeing that fifth disconnect between what they say, that they're not confident about the economy, and what they're doing, spending up a storm. But of course, they're only spending because stuff costs more. And they're really not happy about that at all. That said, the national numbers point to eventual improvements in the economy. And that's why in South Dakota, Stephanie Larscheid says that the people she talks to are cautiously optimistic. As we run up to the presidential election, strategists on both sides of the aisle are going to be paying close attention to the numbers and what people like Stephanie's clients say they feel about them. Both Betsy Stevenson at the University of Michigan and Michael Strain at the AEI agree that if inflation continues to fall and unemployment stays low, Americans should gradually begin to feel less miserable about the economy. Now, whether or not we'll admit that is another story. This episode was produced by Corey Bridges with engineering by Sina Lafredo. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Alex Goldmark edited the episode, Kate Cannon edits the show, and The Indicator is a production of NPR. This is my voice. I can tell you a lot about me, and I'm not changing it for anyone. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of NPR episodes centered on Black experiences. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Humana. Employees are the heartbeat of your business. That's why Humana offers group dental, vision, life, and disability plans designed to protect them. Exceptional service, broad networks, and modern benefits. That's the power of human care. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com NPR.